Welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins, and it's a very special edition this week. Three months ago, today, I interviewed Mick McQueen, who was preparing to walk the Camino de Santiago, and he was carrying with him an honour roll of fallen Australian soldiers. Well, he finished his Camino this week, and he's on the line from an albergue overlooking Finisterre. Mick, welcome. G'day, Dan. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm great. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, it's great to hear your voice too, but can I begin by saying congratulations. You made it. Wow. I've just scraped over the line, mate. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? How are you? Mate, um, just, um, you know, as I reflect with the last crew I walked in, it's just like, it's, it's, you know, you get here and you can never... You know, you you think you might realise and and work out how you'd feel when you got, but it's just like it's just surreal or, or unreal. It's just the feeling the feeling of achievement of the journey is just just indescribable. That only people could really understand how you feel is the person that has actually done the Camino. It's it, you know we keep you know we we're sitting in this. Uh, absolutely magnificent uh, private uh, apartment in Finisterre overlooking the bay. And uh, we just think to ourselves, 890 kilometres away where we started, you know, at the edge of the Pyrenees and to go all that way, you know, through five different provinces, 800, you know, all the gays, all that hills, that rain, the heat. And believe it or not, uh, may not have been mentioned, but it is. It was the hottest uh, summer or the hottest period heat wave in 50 years in Spain. And uh, as you know, there's, there's Spanish people believe in air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we've been through the albergues, the good albergues, the uh, not-so-good albergues, the, the brilliant albergues, uh, uh, the different varieties of case, the different varieties of pilgrim meals, the good ones, the bad ones, the uh, trying to find the old days. Um, it's just, you know, the, the meetups, unbelievable. I mean, you walk, you know, day in, day out, every morning. It, it's funny. And then everybody, after you hit Burgos, I think Burgos, everybody's got injuries. Um, I... I suffered uh, a torn muscle in my calf muscle outside of uh, Burgoyce. And uh, I expressed a very loud Australian word <laughs> pretty loudly. <laughs> behind me. He said, whoa. And I went, oh, I'm sorry. And straight away, it's like, anyway, anyone, are you okay? Is there anything I can do for you? That's straight away, everyone sort of bands around you. And um, I said, I'm okay. And so I thought, right, I've got to get to Hornellis. So I limped. And stopping, I was carrying the Roll of Honour and I was carrying it to Finisterre and I was going to lay the poppies and nothing was going to stop. And then I had so many people start to come in on me and help me and stretch my calf lubes. And uh, uh, I got in, I'd meet up with ex-military people who said, you know, Look, if you can't make it, we're going to carry you. And and suddenly, along the Camino, um, 
everybody's talking about the limper. I used to always walk past with a smile going, I'm limping with style. Just, you know, you've got to make life. The gimp with the limp, I've heard it all, the Aussie. And believe it or not, the hat that um, Sergio Garcia gave me at the players, uh, um, everybody recognised the hat. I don't know. <laughs> and and uh, I'd walk past bars and stick it out. Aussie, come in here and... Yeah. Uh, you know, can we help you? How's your leg? How's your leg? How's your leg? This is the concern that it's it's not walkers. They're not problems. They're peregrinos. They're family. And it's very touching. You become a family, an international walking family, a pilgrimage. And we're all walking the way of St. James uh, for one purpose, you know, a correction. One purpose is there. But every single person I spoke to, they had a different reason for doing it. And, and and do you know what? Not invasive to ask everyone, why are you doing the Camino? And everybody asks everybody. If you asked back in uh, on the streets, you know, what are you doing this for and that? And people go, excuse me, but that's my business. But yeah. on the Camino, it is, it is accepted, as you know. Yeah. What are you doing the Camino? And we always shut up and listen to the other person and listen to their story. It's amazing. Now, I had people all the way up the Camino coming up to me, oh, you're the guy carrying the Roll of Honour. And, you know, I would pull the Roll of Honour and have a picture with them. I talked to them about it. And it was amazing. There's people I don't didn't even know uh, coming up to me, you know, which is just, you know, unbelievable. The recognition, everybody's what we're doing. Yeah. Everybody was so respectful. We'll talk, we'll talk a little bit later about the um, Apostola. Yeah. Yeah. And the church service, but um, boy, um, just amazing, my, amazing my... effort. Mick, can I just ask you then, how many days did you walk and did you arrive on schedule? I, I actually arrived three, you know, basically three days earlier on my schedule, and um, <clears throat> I was getting a bit of trouble physically. I, I, um, I have two back operations eight weeks before I left. And uh, I had a bit of a sore back in the early part and it come good. And then I had the torn calf muscle, but I met up with this crew at Trieste Della, which is at the base, the other side of OCD Bruton. And um, it was just a real guy I started with on the 20th of May, John, and uh, the magnificent guy. I ran with two other people uh Amy Weiser from uh, California, and of course, um, I ran into uh, Gordon Dempsey from uh, Canada, and and these guys. It's funny. Um, Jose said to me, "You will walk alone," and all of a sudden, you will want to walk in. You will just automatically meld with the crew, and you'll walk in with the crew. With this crew of very brilliant, absolutely brilliant people, they got me through. I I I hopped up in the morning, and suddenly my calf muscle was. Gone. I don't know. It's just a sign from God, a sign from something or other. But unfortunately, when I got to Port my second pain came in my back, and I was, oh, I was in a lot of trouble, and I knew it. And I was walking down the stairs at Port Marin, and uh, it took me about five minutes just to down these stairs. Yeah. And I went, oh my God, is this it? And uh, I got down the bottom. Now, I don't know, but you will know because you've done it, but. You get down and you start walking. And for some reason, 
you can walk in yeah. pain when you finish. And uh, I kept going right through the day that day. These things got me through. Yeah. You know, like, um, you know, they all helped me, uh, massage me back, giving me uh, ointments, lubes, everything else. Uh, I mean, I've got a, um, I've got a doctor appointment and uh, physio specialist appointment, probably get an X-ray today, back in San Diego. Um, but you know, I'm sort of can't walk at the moment. I'm, I'm only hobbling. Uh, yeah, yeah. With it at the moment, uh, but yeah. everybody, you know, like I go downstairs, grab something, they'll race down and help me. It's just, I don't know. It's very, um, I would just say, uh, humiliating. I'm not late. It's um, uh, humbling. I'm searching for the word. It's humbling. Yeah, very yeah. humbling. In our first interview three months ago today, I said I imagined it was difficult to at one stage be in the military where everyone and everything is very disciplined, but then to later find yourself in the free world, as it were, mixing with people with little or no discipline. And you explained how many ex-military people join motorcycle gangs to remain part of a dedicated platoon, as it were. So how did you find yep. the Camino Fellowship? It's, 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 it's indescribable to tell you um, the difference between speaking to people um, that haven't done the Camino, people that are on the Camino, it's family. It's the family unit, and it's an international family unit. It's um, you join the Camino, you join the family. And we don't shake hands on the Camino. We hug. Everybody hugs. You have four people, and there'll be someone walking down the road. Everyone seems to know someone else. I mean, the to tell you what it's like, okay, I'll describe two Germans that we met along the way and guys got a big beard, two little bands all around it. There's two of them joined together and they couldn't speak hardly any English, but every time they saw us having a vino or something in a little bar or something, they come up and uh, and they'll basically saying, I know what you're doing and I've got respect. The guy actually sent me a text after I friended him on Facebook in broken English and his respect for what we we're doing is unbelievable. And we kept meeting him, meeting. We actually met him on the way to the lighthouse, and um, you know, basically walked with him. And uh, it, it's it, he tried to indicate that we're friends for life, and we just met him along the way. So tell us about your Camino family then. My 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 Camino family. I have um, I have an American. Uh, her name's uh, Amy Weiser, and uh, she's a very, very strong American woman. She's doing the Camino for herself, her family, and uh, it's just unbelievable, the grit. You know, she stayed with us, and she's she's the one that... We've all got little uh, little roles in the group. We met them at Trias to Keller, and, you know... We, you know, someone would book uh, the old brigades, another one guy would be getting coffee. Uh, myself, I did cooking because I loved the cooking. Um, uh, Gordon was our IT guy, so anything we needed on the phone, he would get. We had John. Now, John, John spoke Spanish. I mean, how good is that? He was our interpreter. And uh, basically, I used to laugh every time I look at him. And it's just a friendship, you know, like, we're all doing it tough and we all got injuries, but we all help each other and bandage each other's feet, uh, you know, or massage our thighs or look after our pack, give recommendations, this, fix our phones. It, everybody in the group seemed to have a role. And um, 
we all decide where we're going to go for the night, where we're going to stop, how long it was going to take us, where we were going to have a coffee. Um, and uh, it, it's always – everybody agrees with every decision always. Uh, and we walk. You know, the thing is you hop up in the morning, you walk. It's a long way. It's a shorter way. You know, there's hills. We're always making jokes of everything. You know, I mean, our group, we call it, you know, the minister for this, a minister for that. Yeah, yeah. For everything, right? I was the minister for PR and image. And Gordon from uh, Canada, he was the minister for public indecency, or decency, <laughs> sorry, as he called it. He's just joking. And then we had uh, Amy used to be the uh, the minister for wellbeing. She, she could dictate... Uh, how much we're allowed to drink during the day. <laughs> we're not allowed to drink, <laughs> which is really good. Um, yeah, I mean, people used to see us walking in the afternoon and we'd stop a little bit early and have a few vinos and think, what are you doing? He's drinking, but not really. Uh, um, we're just having a few friendly, you know, like the catch cry of our, of our crew was no vino, no Camino. Uh. And we had people saying that as we went past, no vino, no camino. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when we get back, when I, just to let you know, with yeah. it, when I get back, I'm getting shirt made up. And we've come up with all these one lines, nuances, things like that, things we like, things we didn't like. And I'm getting them all printed onto a, in, onto a shirt, right? And I'm going to send it off to each and every person in the, in the group. So yeah. I, I think I can hear in your voice that you're a different man than the man I spoke to a month ago. And and ostensibly, oh. the reason I spoke to you a month ago was because you were carrying the role of honour, a cylinder with 41 poppies in, in it, and you were carrying it on the Camino to honour 41 Australian servicemen who died in Afghanistan. The role of honour. Now... That was your purpose for going. All of these other things you're telling us about really are the benefits or added benefits, if you like. So your plan when we spoke to you was to have that role, the honour role, blessed in Santiago de Compostela. How did you go? Oh, oh, my God. You know, what, what, what happened in Santiago is uh, I had Jose actually uh, get here just a little bit earlier than me. And he went and saw a nun at the at, at the fair of the de Compostela, and uh, he said, "Look, I have a friend coming in. He's bringing the roll of honor. He has forty-one poppy, and he, he told him the story. And he said he would like to know if he could have it blessed in in the church during mass. Anyway, she said, "Okay, look, we'll, could you wait till he gets here, and then you could bring him in, and we could talk about it because we don't even know who the priest of the day is going to be." Sure who's going to run the map. So I got in and I did everything I had to do. And I um, I said, righto, we're going to go in, we're going to go to the church and we're going to try and get this thing blessed straight away. And uh, we really wanted the Bonaferrari, which is the big smoking swinging thing, uh, going if we possibly could. I was prepared to pay 300 euros to get it done. That's what the donations are for it to be swung. We, uh, we went and saw the chief nun, or the chief, or actually she has an assistant, and then we saw her, and she smiled. She really liked us, and she remembered. Do you believe it? All those hundreds and hundreds of people she sees, she remembered Jose and smiled. He's very religious. And we got to speak to her, and eventually the priest came over. He, was, he wasn't he was just the priest. He was 
the head, what do you call it, was the highest ranking priest who uh, ran everything in the church. And he smiled at me and shook my hand and he was just so accommodating. He says, yes, we do. And then what they did was they unscheduled and they ran the Bonifuri. They were going to do it that night. So they actually did it for nothing for me. And then uh, we went in and I thought, okay, it's fine. You know, um, he's going to do something here. And next minute we got, we got actually ushered up to the altar. We got ushered up to the altar and I couldn't believe it. You know, this is visiting deacons and bishops and whatever. This is where they sit. And we were right beside the altar. And he not only blessed it during the Mass, but he actually he set up in perfect English and all the other language. And he told them all about the 41 to the whole congregation. Wow. And it was packed to the rafters. How packed fantastic. to the rafters. We had international people ever. And he went through all the countries that were there in attendance. And um, basically, I got it blessed in front of everyone. And he came up, he shook my hand. Uh, I, I, I took the host from the priest during communion, you know, for him, straight for him. And he, he only only delivered to the people. There was only six of us, right? And all these people looking. And the whole congregation, you know, they were taking pictures and he basically said in Spanish, it's okay. It was just something, you don't allowed to take pictures no. until the Bonifori is one. Well, he allowed it because he said it was um, it, it was groundbreaking. It was the first time allowed, and he got me to stand up and hold the uh, hold the roll of honor high above, so everybody in the church could see it. And it was just like flash, flashing, like I don't know, like you're on the red carpet or something. But it was wow. so moving. We we got to sit that we we got to sit down that close to the altar that uh, Jose started crying, and then I started crying, and you know it was just the honor given to me but then the honour given to my role of honour at the completion of such a torrid journey through all that pain. And I was just, I was just basically moved. I, I made sure I had the cameras going. And uh, of course, when you see the Bond of Fury on my, um, my video of anyone on my Facebook can see it, you know, I'm five feet away watching all this. And the nun who was there in attendance, I mean, her voice was brilliant singing the priest. Then he came up, and shook all their hands myself and I mean Hazy started crying again. I mean this is this is a great honor and a privilege to sit in the inner sanctum of a mass at the cathedral of the Decompostella in Santiago. I mean that's just just you know, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. So he afforded me the greatest privilege, the greatest honor uh, for this uh, role of honor. I mean I couldn't believe I could not believe that we were given that honor and that just shows goes respect you know he one thing he did say these soldiers went to war and they gave their life they didn't want to go to war but they were prepared to go there and sacrifice their life so we could help the people less fortunate and less vulnerable than everyone he he, he gave the speech in english and also spanish and wow and when i left when i left they opened up they opened up the gates and it's like you open it and i was allowed to move to the we are called the main party or the whatever, walked down the middle. We were just swamped by everyone. And, I mean, I, I just couldn't move outside. I had everyone coming up and uh, I had the roll of honour in my hand. They wanted to touch it. They wanted to have a picture with me. They wanted to hug me. They wanted to thank me, thank me for doing that. You know, it's not about me. It was all about the 41. But, you know, they just, just uh, there was deep respect from everyone 
you know, for what we were doing, what we were achieving. And, and I'm sure the families that saw it must have been moved. That's fantastic, um, Mick. That is just absolutely fantastic. What a story. I love it. I love it, particularly given the conversation that you and I had. And I urge anybody listening to this, if this is the first time you've heard Mick's story, go back to it's about 10 weeks ago, the, the, the very first interview I did with Mick, and listen to that story, and then listen to the man we're listening to and speaking to today. It's breathtaking, Mick. It's just unbelievable. Now, from uh, Santiago de Compostela, on you go then to the end of the world. And that really is the oh end God. of your journey. Tell us about that. Finisterre. Well, you know, all, all of it, you know, the walking's just walking, right? Okay, so that's, you know, just another hard slog, which only takes a couple of days, right? Because by that stage, you're moving at 35, 40 kilometres a day, you can. And it was just get there. I think once you get past there, you just want to get there. Anyway, um, the, near the lighthouse, there were people running, you know what I mean? There were people arriving in taxis, <laughs> private cars, hire cars. People were coming down. They wanted to see the poppies later and they wanted they wanted to simulate the poppies. And uh, I decided, you know, I was going to put a flotation device on this. But then, no, I, I didn't want that. I, 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 it was going to be on the zero-kilometre marker at the lighthouse. And, and I laid the poppies initially for a photo set um, at the zero kilometres with the roll of one on my pack, my shell with the 41 and uh, uh, there was people everywhere, <laughs> you know, people everywhere just sitting there and the people that didn't know were talking Spanish of what was happening and just, you know, there was like, you know, we've got a clap, you know what I mean? Uh, standing ovation. Um, and then, of course, the most moving ceremony is when I, when, I, when I resealed the poppies and we went down to the shores of Finisterre and it was just, you know, the day today is all overcast and you can't see nothing. But the day we did it yesterday was just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant sunshine. Just the most clear, beautiful days on the shores and down the beach. It was just like hundreds of people just watching me lay the poppies. Um, you know, and, and they all knew. Everybody knew um, what was going on. Everybody, it's amazing. I didn't have to tell anybody. Everybody already knew what was going on. I laid the poppies. A lady came up to me just before she said, I counted only 21 poppies. You know what I mean? Uh, she went down and uh, it's just um, the guys are laid to rest. My job's done and, I, and it was just with like an enormous relief that I actually got to achieve what I set out to do, what I was asked to do by Brian Freeman. And... Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, my, my phone is something like this morning, 175 messages, God. you know, and it's people, yeah, 175. Um, and you read it and you feel, as I said, humbling that, you, you know, you read all these words and the word, you know, the military, because there's one word they keep putting in, respect. And um, I, I wrote an article on my, during my journey on respect and my reasons why, you know, maybe my fellow soldiers lose the way. Well, if you want to find the way, you, you, you jump on the way of St. James. You, I think you come over here, you'll be a better person. I'm a lot calmer now and little things that I might see or do um, don't affect me now. And I see things in it. And um, I, I have a different view on everything. And I'm, I, I definitely have changed. And things don't worry me now. I mean... My baggage, I, I left I left that on Ferreira Cruz, you know? Yeah, and yeah. A 
from from Freire Cruz, things um, things become clearer in your mind. You know, I left the stone with the forty-one. I left the stone for Craig. Uh, I dropped his shell in a private ceremony, which I wouldn't allow anybody near. So I walked away with his shell. Uh, I was going to leave it at Freire Cruz, but I decided to bring it to Finisterre, and then I, I walked away from everyone, and they realised there was something private, and I. I said a few words, and I've got on video only myself. And I laid his shell, and and with that shell, an enormous relief came off me. Uh, I have no problems in life now, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'm really looking forward to going back and joining my family, um, and uh, and speaking to other people about the journey. Um, and it's been it's been a journey and a half. I'll tell you. Uh, you, you have experienced it. I've already told them you're all coming through in August too. They're all waiting for your guitar, <laughs> by the way. So, <laughs> I said you'll play for one euro a song and you'll donate all the money <laughs> to the Vino. Look, that's probably to the Vino Fund. To the Vino Fund, exactly. Well, you've got to sing for your supper, Mick. You know, I, that's it. You, you will. We spoke before you left about the spiritual nature of the Camino, and you said that you'd heard about it, and you hoped you would experience it. Can you remember when it dawned upon you? Can you remember when you thought, "Wow, I now know what they're talking about"? <clears throat> on the um, on the second day, because the first day I was told go to Orison, it's only eight kilometres, and doing twenty-seven. It's a long walk. The first day of the Pyrenees. The second day I arrived in Resistia Valley, and I went I went to the church, and that's when it dawned me. You know, every single place in Spain, doesn't matter how big, it's got a church. And you walk from place to place, with, and as soon as you spot the church beer, you think, wow, this is good. This is either uh, a cafe or this is where you're going to end the night. And the churches aren't just churches. They are absolutely magnificent. And you walk into the church, and it hits you how passionate the Spanish people are about the religion. And it, it was the first stop I, I got to speak to a priest and they're just so open. All the priests can speak perfect English in Spain. And I spoke to them about my problems I had with child abuse when I was young. And uh, they are just, I don't think there's ever been a Spanish priest that was ever inappropriate. They're just fantastic people. And I said, oh, that's a Western thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's not our thing. And, and and he spoke to me about the healing. He said the, he said the Camino would heal me if I allowed it. He says, but you've got to allow it. And I had to embrace my spirituality, and and I've 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 accepted, and uh, I never missed a, a mass on a Sunday, and I, anywhere else where there's a service going in any of the other gates, which there were a lot of, and cathedrals and churches I stayed in, um, I went, and uh, I'm I'm am definitely uh, yes, I'm I found my spirituality, and I'm glad I did. Um, you know, I lost it, and I've regained it. And that's what the Camino does to you. You know, in our first interview, just for the the benefit of the listeners, you told us you'd been sexually abused as a child. Indeed, you threw yourself at the feet of your abuser so he would spare your little brother. And you told us that you'd shot and killed a man carrying out your duty alongside the Australian Federal Police. You mentioned just briefly before that you were carrying a shell with the name of that young man written across it. How heavy was that yes. shell, Mick? Uh, that's right. Light and weight. 
huge in uh, in understanding of 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 why what I was doing. You know, that was that was my own thing. That that was my personal camino. That, that out of everything that I did, that was my personal camino. And um, I mean, people carry guilt whether you're right or wrong. Now I know that I, I whatever I did was fully justified, and um, sort of got to a situation where I suppose even a little anger. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's why I wanted to have a private ceremony and say whatever I wanted to say, right? And uh, I, I've got rid of that guilt or yeah. whatever. You yeah. Know. Uh, you know, I did. I, I did whatever I could. I can't do it anymore. And as far as I'm concerned, it's uh, it's game over. It's the shirt I was wearing in the final uh, the final pictures. I, I I came up here and I walked past the shop with the San Diego uh, Dick and Teller. Uh, you know the Camino picture and it's got a big word on it, game over. And I just raced in there and I bought that. I thought, there That's you are. It. Game over, game everything's over. done. Um, my baggage, the reasons, you know, I had I had multiple reasons for coming here, you know, apart from carrying the roll of honour, you know, and uh, my own sexual abuse and um, everything. And uh, basically um, uh, I've put that all to bed now. Yeah. I put that all to bed on the shores of Vistir. I put it, part of it on Carew's Ferra. Um, if anybody does the Camino, and I, and I hope your listeners uh, think about doing it. You know, you can. You know, there's a million reasons apart from spirituality, friendship, um, understanding. Um, I wouldn't recommend husbands and wives come and do it together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they do. Look, there's plenty of, but you never yeah. see them walking together. I'll, I'll meet you down the road. That's the way to do it. Yeah, and yeah. No, no, it is. It's a great journey for couples to do, but. Uh, you rarely see them walking side by side. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know one of the other great reasons to walk the Camino, Mick? The bird song. Yes. The bird song. The what song? The bird song. Oh. And here we are Here we are talking. I'm sitting in a little studio in Sydney, Australia, listening to the birds behind you. And they're just beautiful. Oh, yeah. They're just beautiful. Now, it's remarkable, and people have said it here on this podcast many times, sometimes the fittest and strongest appear to struggle while the older pilgrims show them up. And I wonder then, after what you've been through, and you mentioned that you just got up and walked another 30 k's a day and you just put one foot in front of the other. I wondered if you were able to do that because you'd made some form of peace with yourself. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's... Uh... It's it's unbelievable. Um, uh, it's with the walking. I, I, it's, you know, unless you do the, it's, it's very hard to describe to someone who hadn't done the Camino. It's just like you know you know where you got to go the next day, right? And uh, you get up and you walk outside, and uh, it's you, every single day you become more uh, calmer. You become fitter, obviously, and, and it's amazing. Uh, Everybody, everybody takes pictures of their calf muscles and their thighs because you're physically just so strong. I mean, I used to get out in the morning and I'm already a reasonably um, strong sort of bloke. And I just say to people, I feel so bloody strong. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it's, and if you're with a group of people, it's like a peloton. They just jump in on you and try and walk with you. But everybody, everybody walks alone, I think. You have groups of people, but there's a lot of people like to walk alone. And I think that's the only way to do the Camino. 
uh, you'll come in with a group. But, you know, you start walking, you walk with purpose, and it's amazing. You're averaging five or six kilometres an hour. You know exactly how far it takes you, you know, how much water you need. Um, and you have the bad days too. I mean, you have days where it's just absolutely raining cats and dogs, but you don't stop. You're walking with a purpose and, as you said, one foot after the other. And it's amazing. You just keep going and going and going and you think at the end of the day, if I just walk that whole distance, remembering you've got a heavy pack on as well. Yeah. But then again, you have other people that are, you know, just day packs. Some people just have a water bottle. But, you know, the Caminos, you know, at first it's amazing. You say, you get a little bit cranky, I suppose, and go, these and you're calling them Camino princesses and not caring. But you know what? Everybody does their own Camino. And Jose took me aside and says, do not worry about what they're doing. Just worry about what you're doing. And, and then it doesn't worry at all, you know. And then it doesn't matter. It's still the Buon Camino when you go past because they may be older and they may have injuries. They may only have a week off in Spain to do their Camino. So nobody knows the reason why people, you know, and they fold their packs and whatever because they don't have the time and this is what the only way they can do I want to do the Camino. I can't carry my pack, so I forward my pack. And you know what? I can't see anything wrong with it now. Now I did it first, but now I'm more accepting. I'm more accepting, and I'm less judgmental than I was at the start of this Camino. That's and fantastic. a lot calmer, cooler. Yeah, yeah. that's because I think you found yeah, peace. It's amazing. You found peace. I have found peace. That's Total amazing. Peace. Yes, yes, yes. Total and long peace. term, long term too. Now look, we're going to have some fun. Yep. I'm going to throw a couple of words at you here, and you're just going to give me a little response, yep. right? The Maseta. Right. What'd you make? Yeah. Uh, well, walking in at the hottest uh, heat wave in 50 years experience. Uh, yeah, the suntan was good and uh, we drank gallons of water. But um, personally, uh, it's probably good. Uh, as an Aussie, I, I just belted that. Um, you know, I limped all the way. I limped the, in, the entire Macetas, right? And I mean, I'm talking, that's how long why it was taking me all day to get there because I was just limping. And uh, everyone from the 75-year-old ladies, everybody was walking past me. But And, and I always tried to make a joke. But I don't know. People concerned they see you limping if you're whinging, they'll, uh-uh. But I just, ah, it's all good. You know, I'll get there. I'll just limp in style. But it, it's, it's the greatest time for reflection because it is peaceful and it's flat. So you don't have to worry about going, you know, all the strength going up hills, down hills. It's yeah. just flat. So you've got time to slow your pace down, which I suppose is good. And reflect on everything. It's amazing. It's amazing the mind. Yeah. And um, basically thinking about problems and psychoanalyzing them, and and, and and things become clearer. Things become clearer. You've done the Mercedes, and and you can purely understand. The yeah. listeners won't. Uh, yeah. But gee, I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping there's a few listeners out there that pass it on and do do one. It's um, it's amazing. Um, yeah. Uh, right. Next. I, I, I met. Yeah, go on. Uh, up in the Mercedes on the top of uh, the first great big hill out of, um, I don't even know it. Uh, uh, I can't remember. It's a great big hill. It's the first great big hill in the Mercedes. And there's a message board at the top, and I, and I left a message for the 41, and I ran into a, um, a uh, priest from uh, Jerusalem. His name was Jacob, and he had his wife, Ella, and they gave me a rosary bead that would be blessed in the tomb of our Jesus. And I went, wow, um, this is fantastic. And his wife went, do you think you really should uh, give it to him? And I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's going to give me something so special. So he did. And it was just really, really, hang on, it gets better. <laughs> There's a punchline here. 
So I gave it to me and oh, I just thought I locked it into the pack and I thought I'm going to give it to my mate. He's uh, become a priest and Padre Leo, a real in the army. And we walked for seven, eight, nine, ten kilometres or whatever and we got to this little cafe and we're sitting down there and I'm just sitting there and I'm holding this thing. Anyway, this lady comes in and she's wearing the rosary bead. I'm like, what's going on here? He said, oh, you got one too, did you? And I'm like, what, what, what? what? <laughs> it lost its rarity, right? <laughs> and they all started laughing at me, you know what I mean? And I'm like, goodness, <laughs> he must have had a bag of them. <laughs> and his wife was... So, yeah, That's right, gold. Jacob and Ella from Jerusalem. <laughs> uh, you know, you're going to have to do some explaining, I tell you what. <laughs> all right, next. But it was funny. That's fantastic. Yeah. Next, yep. snoring. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, dear, snoring. Um, uh, I've probably been guilty of a little bit of it, apparently. So I've been told, but not really bad, but it was um, there were some Olympic champions and... Um, <laughs> You'd need industrial strength, <laughs> industrial strength. You know, if you're sleeping in a room with 84 people, there's going to be some, oh, there's going to be some chainsaws, McCulloch's there, I tell you, and they arc up and they just go. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. The Lucky next, I yeah, think on them. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say the next thing I was going to ask you about, cold beers. Oh, cold beers. Um, oh, yes, grand. There was only there was different um, different sizes. Ours was grand, and that was the catch cry at the end of the day. Sorry, grandi, grandi, grandi beers, and I, I've actually never used to drink much, so I've probably got to go and see an alcohol uh, <laughs> counsellor <laughs> when I go back. Now, you, you you do. It's 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 you know like our catch cry: no vino, no camino. We. Uh, we had a cold beer at the end of the day. We always took the cold beers as a group. This particular group I hooked up in the last week were unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I mean, we went to this little place at the end of the day near Porta Marine. And the owner actually pulled out all these little shots of, I don't know what it is, and we all had shots. He paid for it himself. And then um, we're about to leave and I walk over to the table with a glass, four glasses and a bottle of red wine and, well, that's it. Uh, we we learned to walk on red wine. Uh, we learned to walk on a few beers. It was funny enough, but it was only at the end of the day, of course. You know, it's responsible drinking. And just tell your listeners, <laughs> not, not. So yeah, I mean, I never thought I could walk with alcohol in my system, but I learned. I learned on the Camino. <laughs> what about the yeah. What about the city of Leon? Oh, Leon! My goodness! Wow! I mean, how many days could you spend there? I mean, the churches. How many good churches? I mean, the, the great cathedrals, uh, just like the major towns, you know, like I stayed in Lagrano, Burgos. Uh, I stayed in Leon. Um, they were the, the bigger cities, right? And I stayed an extra day and I got to, I mean, Pamplona, sorry, also. And the Tapa areas, it's just like, it's like if you were in Sydney, it'd be like the rocks. Only you, let's compress the rocks a little bit more so it's, the streets are closer. And it's just people everywhere. And the Spanish, good goodness, they don't sleep at night. They just party, I, I, which is a problem sometimes in older days because you're usually sleeping above this racket, right? Yeah. I think you learn to sleep during the, you know, and Spaniards, they talk so loud. And, um, and it might be irritating, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's their country. You're a guest in it and you get on with it. You know, you're lucky to get a place for five euros a night or 10 euros a night and then, um, 
I'm waiting for the word on Pilgrim Mill. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's um, – Leon was just brilliant, mate. It was just brilliant. Um, there's so much to see, but you can only see so much in two days and sort of – I'd love to come through here in a car one day and just spend a few weeks and go through the whole – all the places I've been, but uh, I'm going to Europe through Europe after this anyway. So, yeah, yeah, pretty good. The Pyrenees. Oh, my goodness. Uh, a lot of people actually start um, their uh, their Caminos in places like Pamplona, right? But my favourite my favorite section of the whole Camino has been from Saint-Jean-Port-de-Pied in France at the base of the Pyrenees to Pamplona, and it's the most beautiful country. Yes, it's got hills. The Pyrenees will sort you out the first day. <laughs> You walk and you'll see everybody stopping and blowing like draft horses. Every 100, 200 metres, stop, 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 stop. You learn by the time you get to the top of Pyrenees what you should have taken. Things don't actually seem that important <laughs> in your back after that. And uh, you, at Ron Savali, you see hundreds of people donating all their gear. <laughs> Donate. If you want to pick up gear, I'll give you a hint. Don't buy it. Just get to just get to Ronza Valley, right? And you can pick up sleeping bags, sticks, jackets, everything, clothes, undies, <laughs> socks, <laughs> books. You that could, is you funny. Could just, you could actually repack yourself for Ronza Valley. Uh, it's 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 a it's a fairly tough time, right? But you're not fit. If I was to go and do the Pyrenees now, I would walk to the top of the Pyrenees without stopping. I yeah. can tell you now, without stopping. I mean, I'm not now because I've got a um, problems with my right. But it, basically, um, as I was before, I just did the um, Karma. I would walk up there without stopping. Not a problem. We see hills now, and it's not even a hill now. We just keep walking, and it's. Yeah. I actually enjoy walking uphill. Yeah. What everyone hates, hate, 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 is walking down hills. You know those steep hills. My goodness! Yeah, yeah. Well, it's that's uh, hard on the knees and hard on the toes. Mick, hard on everything. On everything. Yep. Yeah. I, I I said to you when we spoke three months ago, I asked if a thirty-year-old infantry veteran was getting a bit soft in his old age, and and we laughed about it. I wonder. You also said to me, as a thirty-year infantry infantryman, nothing will be camouflaged on the Camino. <laughs> Did you honour that right. promise? Do you think? Uh, yeah, I even gave away my cam hat. We had, uh, we had, uh, I had the only cam piece of equipment I had on me was this hat. And uh, this guy from England, who's doing Operation Border, which is a silent protest about um, about the British government investigating young eighteen-year-olds who were shooting uh, Northern Ireland bombers, right? The you know because of uh, rules of engagement, and, and I really thought of his cause, and uh, I gave him my hat. But uh, I had no, no, I had not one thing green on me. I'm not nothing. Actually, I tell you like I'm sta- sitting out here on the steps, and I've got cam thongs, right? Oh, that's okay. They're rip curl, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I had, it's funny. I had two sets of gear. I had my tan gear, and I had my black gear. And everybody used to take bets when I come down the bottom what colour I was going to be wearing. It's really good. And there'll be bet, you know, there'll be euros changed. There you go. In the morning. How yeah, funny. What colour? Because everyone knew I only had two outfits. <laughs> you know. <laughs> that became a bit of a thing. Pilgrims also say for yeah. many that their Camino begins when they get home. How do you think you'll deal with all of that, Mick? Um, Jose, who's done, he's just done uh, his fourth command. He did Del Norte, which is just brutal. And he, he's just 
most people in my group just love him like their, their dad here. He's 68 years old, mind you. You wouldn't think so. And he said to me, when you get home, Mick, you'll, you'll talk to people and they'll take the interest for a couple of, you know, minutes and then they'll lose interest, right? And all you want to do is talk to the Camino. However, he said, you talk to someone who's done the Camino and it'll just like, you will not stop. He said, you'll feel sort of maybe feelings of loss when you get home. You'll, you'll, you know, all the good times that you had. He says, you won't remember the bad times at all. You won't remember one single bad time on the Camino. But all you remember is the good times. And uh, he said that, you know, your body then will start to recover. Um, it, you know, all of us have felt actually worse for their bodies after it's finished than we was. When we, it's like when you're walking, you knew you had to walk each day and your body was there and it's like just given up at the end of it and said, okay, you've done your commando, now it's time I'm going to hurt the hell of you and everyone's got sore feet and legs. Yeah. But nobody, nobody talked about the pain everybody knows we might have pains and if we just fuck around talking about it, we'll talk about it, but we'll never bring it out because there'll be a form of whinging and none of us whinge but you're know, getting home um you know what he said to me when you get home he says only you'll be able to describe everybody's different he said every everybody takes it differently and um you you'll it'll be like you're missing something you know you hop up in the morning and it's like you're not walking anymore and he said you will miss it. It'll be a form of loss. Uh, I think you yourself could probably describe it better than me um, yourself because you've actually returned home well, after your Camino. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons I do this podcast is because I wanted to maintain engagement with the Camino community. Uh, it was a way that I knew that I could continue to talk about it every week and, and learn about yeah. it and hear stories about it and continue to talk about it and, and share. And, and, and here we are talking about it right now. You and I would never have That's... met. Uh, you know, we, Our paths would not have crossed had it not been for this podcast and indeed the Camino. And, and here we are. I mean, this I, I know now I've, I've got about six more minutes to talk to you because I know you have to get going down to Santiago to see a doctor today. So I don't want to hold you up, but I've got about another 50 questions here I wanted to ask you. <laughs> So I, what, I just want to. Th th there's one here I want to ask though. Would you consider down the track, perhaps, Mick, putting together a presentation about your journey, a talk? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And it's, sharing uh, your story I mean, sort of publicly. I absolutely. Um, you, you know, there's just so many things to talk about, and, and um, just say, Jose. I'm just sorry, calling one of my, my. Uh, uh, what do you call it? He's my mentor. I would call him my. I would call him my uh, Jose Piner. He, he's my mentor, right? My my Camino mentor, and I can ask him anything, and he's he's just given so much. But as for um, as for you know talking about the Camino, there's just so many things. You know, what did you see? I saw everything. I saw women and kids uh, on the Camino. I saw people pushing children in a pram when it's raining with uh, rain rain covers on them. I saw donkeys, blokes walking with donkeys. You know, they've walked, you know, like two, 3,000 miles from other countries with donkeys, uh, with horses, with dogs, with pets, with uh, objects that were close to them. Um, I saw bike riders, you know. Uh, it just, I, I could go on. And that's yeah. what you mean by... Sitting back, I, I said to him, when I get back, I want to write down everything. I want to write down. I didn't write a journal. I'm just not a journal writer. 
but I took a million pictures. I took, I, ne- I always stopped and turned around. I took that many pictures. I took pictures of everything. And, and there's so many things I saw in the Camino, you go, wow. Nothing ever shocked me anymore. You know, I walked, I, I saw a French lady walking along in just her bra and knickers, right? <laughs> and, and I said, what the heck? Is this all right? They're French. You know, the French are allowed to do anything on the Camino, you know, and, and that's it. And then she sort of got up ahead and there was like 30 people were all talking about it. And then the top came off and suddenly there was a pace increase. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. And I remember walking into, yeah, we're walking to Carrie and, and she's all dressed. And, what, what, why? She said, they wouldn't understand us French people. <laughs> you know, just little things like that, you know. <laughs> you know, you said down the track that you'd think about taking other veterans with you on a Camino, much like Brad Gennaro does with the US charity Veterans on the Camino. I'd very much, I'd very much support that charity and I'd be happy to do what I can to help you set it up. Have you thought about that at all on your, on your journey? Exactly. Well, I know actually people that work in uh, or work closely with Dan Taran. He's the minister for uh, veteran affairs in Australia. And I know people that work um, in his office or close to it. And I'm going to get an audience and I'm going to ask you just for a pilot model, right? And, you know, you work as a group, but I think four people, now that I've walked and, and, and know the team dynamics, there'd be four people, right? There's always four people in a group is always good. I think five's okay, but too much. And three, probably less, but four people and four people walking alone and meeting up each day, right? Or four people that you just let loose and you monitor where they are. Because I think the best thing is that everybody does their own Camino, but you're back. But as a support crew, you could have a support vehicle and meet up with them each day and find out. And you could talk to them, interview them, and put a full pilot study. You maybe even have a psychologist with us or something like that that can speak to them and they can record each day. But I'm going to try and do something for sure. And, and I want to see – I know. look, I know Look, people can say, well, why don't you just do it in Australia? But I, I'm, I'm, it's different. This is the Camino. And if you can get some at-risk people, we're talking about people that are qualified, real at very at-risk, and that they really need something in life. And if we can bring them on the Camino and they can rediscover themselves again and then come back and become valuable members in our community, I mean, how good would that be, Dan? That would and be fantastic. And another suicide. Yeah, look. One, and if we say one person's life, we've, we've, we've achieved yeah, our aim. yeah. I think it's an outstanding idea. And as I said, I'd, I'd be happy to do what I can to help you set it up. Now, I'm, I'm mindful of the time. I've only got you about another two minutes before you have to go. Let me just ask one more question. What did you learn, sure. what did you learn from other pilgrims? Well, I learned that, um, that uh, there's no really great problems in life. There's only solutions. I learned about sharing stuff. Now, I didn't have to be the first person to eat the food. I, 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 I learned that uh, it's greater to give than to receive. I learned that um, you should stop and listen more and listen to everybody. Uh, I learned to be more accepting of other cultures. Um, and I've learned that uh, we in Australia, we are a very lucky country because there are poor people. I learned that to give is greater than to receive. And the generosity, you've got people with nothing still helping other people. Um, I learned that um, that your family is the most important thing in your life because on the community you will miss them. 
I learned that uh, material assets and money, it's, that's nothing. If you've got health, happiness, well-being, your spirituality, then you want for nothing more in the life. I learned that. That's what I learned. And I learned that um, I learned, learned that, uh, that myself, I learned that I am actually a very, very good person. I learned myself that I could self-look and self-medicate, self-help. And I learned that uh, I've got something to offer other people. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's just... You know... I have. You, you really have met... I, 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 I like myself now, Dan. Yeah. I didn't like myself before the Camino, and I really like myself now. Well, I think... And that's... I can't wait to get back and display this attitude... Yeah. ...and to my friends. You know, you said before you were heading off that carrying the role of honour, you were going to do so totally without cover, without war paint and without disguise. Can I just say to you, Mick McQueen, you have done an astronomical job. We are all so proud of you. Thank you for your time and safe travels. The feedback in the wake of your first interview was amazing, mate. And I just wanted to let you know that you've inspired a lot of people. Indeed, you continue to inspire a lot of people. And I hope it all goes well from, from here, Mick, and we're keeping you in our thoughts and prayers. And let me be, I want to say to you that uh, I look forward to a long and enduring friendship with you, mate. Buon Camino. Beyond Camino, Dan. All the best, mate. Thank you very much. Mick McQueen there. He walked the Camino to honour 41 Australian veterans who paid the ultimate sacrifice fighting for our freedoms in Afghanistan. And as I said three months ago when I spoke to Mick, if that's not a good yarn, I'll give it away. And look, just before I finish up this week, wasn't that great? Just a great yarn. Uh, just some homework. Uh, a lot of people are con contacting me wanting to know how to subscribe to the podcasts. So just go to the podcast icon on your phone. Click on search and find My Camino, the podcast. Click on subscribe and it will automatically appear on your phone each Tuesday night. And if you're a walker or you're somebody who, who drives quite long distances, you can listen to us in the car or you can listen to it while you walk. I think most pilgrims love to walk. Thanks for your company this week and your support. And uh, as I said about Mick McQueen, if that's not a good yarn, I'll give it away. I'm Dan Mullins. Until next week. Buen Camino.